Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Jim Becker, who is CEO of Becker Logistics, and Prasad Galopoli, who is the founder and CEO of Trucker Tools. And today we're going to talk about freight brokers. How do you map and manage your digital transformation journey? Now, the question, why is digital transformation important? Well, that question was answered loud, loud and clear in 2020, right? Um, because you can't you know, scale and grow your business profitably, and you can't meet the you know, ever-changing needs of, of your customers unless you do so. But um, how do you get started you know, on this journey? What is the destination? And you know, how do customers, carriers, and employees influence and guide the direction of that journey? Well, those are the main questions we're going to address in today's episode, and it's great to have Jim and Prasad in the program to share their insights and advice on this topic. So, Jim, Prasad, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Adrian. Nice to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. So, Jim, you're your first time guest here on, on Talking Logistics, and, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with, with you and, and with uh, Becker Logistics. I know you're very active on, on LinkedIn, but in case some folks may not be familiar with, with the company, before we kind of dive into this topic. Why don't you tell us briefly a little bit about Becker Logistics and, and your operations there? Yeah, no problem. We've been uh, in business now for 24 years. This May of 2021 um, will be the 24-year anniversary. So we've been based in the Chicagoland area, but we then opened up um, up to six, seven offices throughout the United States and Canada. And we are primarily a freight broker and 80% of what we do is mostly food grade materials, either finished, frozen, canned, bottled uh, products, ingredients, as well as the paper components that go along with that, or steel. And we do in and out of Chicago, point to point throughout the whole United States, uh, out of Canada, into Canada, LTL, flatbed, drayage, last mile, as well as intermodal and air freight. Great. Well, 24 years. Congratulations. That's a, that's a great milestone. And obviously, you know, even though core focus there in, 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 in that industry, you know, very diverse, uh, you know, set of uh, modes and, and, and services there. Um, so, so to get into the, you know, the topic now, I mean, I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with that famous Yogi Berra line that if you don't know where you're going, you'll, you'll end up someplace else. Right. right. Um, so, so what is your, Digital des destination, digital transformation destination, uh, Jim. Uh, you know, in terms of where Becker Logistics is going. I mean, where are you trying to get to? Well, that's a great question. You know, back in 2010, we were about a five million dollar business in top line revenue. Last year, we did 73 million dollars in top line revenue, and in 2021, right now, uh, based off the last two quarters, we'll be well over 100 million dollars in top line revenue. And as we look at human capital. And how do we do that? Do we go ahead and do an arbitrage overseas? Or do we go ahead and continue to grow by hiring more and more people and bringing them on? Well, the scalability, you were so right on, Adrian. As we go ahead and go forward, do we go ahead and scale with that? Or what do we try to do to try and help that growth as we go along? So last year, we did about 2% digital freight matching. And in 2021, we're currently at, after Q1, about 5% digital freight matching. Our goal by the end of 2021 is to be at 20% uh, DFM. And as we go into the next year, 2022, we want to really bring that to about 40%, maybe 50%. 
by 2025, we really want to be about 90% DFM. So if we can have that and just manage by the exception, it's going to really help us with that substantial growth that we're looking for. Yeah, that, 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 you know, that's impressive because you're right. I mean, I think it's the, you know, the, you know, when you're trying to scale your operations and, and not only just scale, but scale profitably, you know, that's always been the, you know, the, the old model, if you will, is to just throw more people at it, right? More, right. Yeah, add more people, add more people, add more people. Um, but, but I think the, the recognition is that today that's not, uh, you know, that, that's not the most progressive or innovative way to, you know, move forward. And I think even in 2020, obviously, we all learned that, you know, in this environment where everyone is, well, hopefully we're tur- we've turned a corner, but a lot of folks are still working from home, right? So that's adding another, you know, la- layer of, of complexity there in terms of, you know, the human element, you know, to all this, right? Yeah, the changing, it, it, with the pandemic, you're so right on, Adrian. You know, we now have probably 90% of all of our employees working from home. Matter of fact, that opened up an opportunity where we could hire from more states and really just building that without having that platform here in the office and having other offices all over. We just closed down another office that we really didn't have to have anymore. So that really helps with our cards as, we, as we're moving forward and it helps us to be more profitable. So, you know, you were so on when you were talking about scaling up and that led us when we were in a growth mode that that profitability would be somewhat diminished because we were hiring on so many people and that scale up, that ramp up to get those people to a profitability level would be over six months. And so we worked on our training, our learning and development aspect of it and implementing, you know, a learning management system uh, with our Go3, our 3PL LMS tool that really helped us with that. But when, when you're looking at everything, you have to be that visionary as a CEO to really say, where are we going? Right. Just, you know, what you said about Yogi Berra, you know, if you don't know where you're going, you're, you're going to end up somewhere else. I don't want to end up somewhere else. And I'm leading the bus and I've got a whole bunch of employees and customers and carriers going with us. And I want to take them to the right destination. That's a great point. I'm going to get back to you on that point in terms of employees and customers and the role that they play. But before we get that, Prasad, just to bring you into the into the conversation, and, uh, you know, you and I have talked, you know, at various times over the past couple of years about all, all these great changes that have been happening in, in the industry. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you, you know, uh, a gym and, and, and Becker Logistics is already on that journey and they've got a you know, clearly defined destination where they want to head to. But for brokers that are just getting started, uh, you know, with digital transformation, I mean, how should they map out their journey? Because sometimes it could be very daunting, right? And, and it seems like it could be so far away. I mean, what, what are some perhaps some key milestones that they should define and work towards along the way? Um, you know, um, what Jim said is, is absolutely right, right? Having a, a big plan is, is very important. But for those who are starting off fresh, um, the, the biggest question is, as a 3PLR broker, the, the first thing one should ask is, what's my digital strategy look like? What's the purpose of this platform, right? Typically, that purpose should start with, you know, the two things that you both have mentioned. One is scalability. The other one is profitability. These are the two important things for brokerages. How fast can you increase your scale and how well you can lower your variable cost of covering a load? Because that defines your markets. Then the third one, in one of the things that Jim said, I'll connect to that point is carriers, right? Typically a platform, a digital platform helps brokers 
keep their carriers for longer periods of time. So they're getting more out of that capacity. So that solves the main purpose why brokers are in the space, right? So brokers and 3PLs, they're aggregating this capacity from the long tail of carriers, providing that to the shippers. Otherwise, shippers would have difficulty reaching out to them. So that sustained, consistent capacity comes from having these carriers for longer periods of time rather than one and done. So a digital platform can help them typically. So if you have, if you're a broker and if your goals are, I want to scale up faster without increasing uh, human power. I want to lower my uh, margins or, or a, a variable cost of covering a load and increase my margins. And I want to keep my carriers for longer period of time. So carrier adoption or carrier relationship, right? If these are the goals, then that, that drives the, the, the journey, right? But like with every journey, it has to be done uh, with the dedication and one step at a time, rather than you're not going to go from not being a digital platform adopter to fully adopted person overnight. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, even in Jim, in, in, in kind of characterizing your journey here, I mean, you said, you know, uh, you weren't going from zero to 100%, you know, in, in one year, you know, you kind of recognize that this, it's going to take you know, various steps, you know, to getting to that, to that ultimate goal. Um, so now I'll tie in back what Prasad just said, you know, he, he brought in kind of the role of carriers and that being one of the, the kind of the pillars, if you will, in terms of the, the milestones. And, and you brought up in terms of driving the bus, but there's a lot, there, there are people on that bus uh, along with you. Um, so the bottom line is that there are a lot of stakeholders in this industry, right? You've got your customers, you've got carriers, and you've got your employees. I mean, how do these state, different stakeholders guide and influence your digital transformation journey? Oh, that's a great point. Internally, we've got our employees and we've got uh, our shareholders, the CEO, the managers, executives, all of those are essential and it has interest in the company and the profitability, the scalability, you know, as we, as our, as we grow our valuation changes, right? Well, externally, we have our customers, we have our carriers, we have our suppliers, you know, as we're entering in more on the digital aspect of things, it's really changing our relationship with each person internally and externally. It's making our job for our employees a lot easier, smoother. And that relationship with our customers, they're happier with us as we're increasing our DFM as we move forward. And the people that aren't, you know, look at the transportation topics top 150. We used to be number 73 at $80 million. And today we're 105 at $73 million. So we're kind of in a consolidation pattern as we're moving. But the larger companies, the top 100, the top 150 are getting larger and larger and larger, which is making it harder to get in there. And there's certain things that we've automated Right. So we've automated so much as we've moved forward from our accounting practices, our back office. And the next thing is, how do we get more into that funnel? And as we get more into that funnel, how do we get that to be systematic, flowing through? And that relationship with those stakeholders internally and externally are essential as we grow. No, a, lot, a lot of great points there. And, you know, I would think, you know, from the customer side, um, you know, you hear from every shipper, right? We want visibility. We want data. Um, you know, and as much as you can automate that, you know, you know, the better. And then obviously, 
you know, help us find the capacity we need when we need it at the cost that we need, right? So that's on the shipper side. And then, you know, the carriers are obviously a big part of that in terms of, you know, making it easy to work with them and being able to keep to keep their trucks moving. And then from the employees, I mean, you, you talked about making, making their job easier. I mean, is there any kind of, you know, uh, fear or resistance to say, hey, are we going to get replaced with technology? You, know, you hear all this buzz from around AI and technology and, and machine learning and robots. You know, are we going to become, you know, uh, displaced by, you know, computers? I mean, any, any, the, is there any fear or discussions that take place along that, that front? Um, for me, no, there's, I don't see a fear on that. I just see as, you know, five years ago, from that five year point, we grew with over a thousand percent. And out of that just came a lot of capital that we paid out and our profitability was diminished. You know, in order to be profitable and do the things that we need to do, right, especially bootstrapped, you know, us going from in the last 24 years and doing an acquisition and now an acquisition mode again, it doesn't come naturally. You have to build up that, those proceeds and that, that capital to really do what you need to do. It's not sustainable if we continue as we go from 100 million to 250 million to 500 to a billion it's not sustainable if we don't have that capital. And the only way to do that, as you do a re regression analysis, you really need to say, we need to do this better, smarter. And the only way is to do it DFM. If we can do a DFM, and when we do a DFM, it allows that ease as we go out. And those people that are here, they're not going away. Our employees are safe. They're going to be managing by those exceptions. As our customers are putting more and more demands on us, on either volume or like the one-offs, our people can really mitigate and manage those, helping our customers be happy and satisfied. And as they grow, we're growing with them. Yeah, I, I love that point. And I think that, um, you know, what I often find is sometimes when there is some resistance to technology or fear of technology, yeah. um, and then they see the benefits. And then you say, you know what? Yeah, if you were to run an experiment and say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna take the technology away. It was a mistake. They'll probably, you know, uh, uh, you know, kill you because they'll say, no, no, we don't want to go back to the old ways, right? Because they find that the, you know, the 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 work is much more, um, you know, uh, streamlined and automated, and that yes, they're they're working on the things that are truly value add versus non value add, and and overall their you, you know uh, enjoyment of what they do, you know, uh, you know, increases. Um, so, so Prasad, you know, back to you, you know, kind of keeping with this kind of journey, you know, motif, you know, if, if, you know, what you pack for a journey is also, you know, important. So um, from a, from a technology standpoint, I mean, what technology tools and, and capabilities must freight brokers, you know, have in the digital transformation backpack? Uh, you know, that's the most important thing is the technology there, right? Um, but I, I think Jim covered the, the processes, people, the two other big important parts of this journey. Now, when you evaluate technology, I think the, the first and foremost thing is for a digital platform, um, you know, there's a lot of noise. We, we, we live in a space, you know, where there are a lot of buzzwords now. <laughs> um, Jim's smiling at it because he's probably heard a lot more in this journey. And uh, we, we spoke about it quite a few times, a lot of buzzwords. I think 
we've got to really be able to take away the noise away and focus on what is the true value of a digital platform. So in my viewpoint, I think a true platform is, a digital platform is one that has real information, not a lot of noise. So typically the biggest concerning thing in transportation in our segment is every system has a lot of noise that most of the companies like you know Jim's company, as they are growing bigger and bigger, they have to fight and weed out all this noise, you know, not having real loads, uh, not having where the trucks are actually available or where the truck is when you're using the visibility or not getting the documents back on time, like four or five you know, days or maybe weeks. Right? We're dealing with stale and noise. So a digital platform is one that has true information, real-time information. The second part is digital platforms should have the live connectivity. So when you are a broker, you need to be able to connect with the carrier on a live connection. That is the most powerful thing as opposed to, you know, let's say if I send an email, I don't know if you got it or if you're reading it. That's the reason why people are, you know, using, you know, text messages. And now we're going into, you know, I can see when you saw my text, right? Kind of a thing. But that live connection is what makes, because these are not one-off conversations. When a broker gives a load to the carrier, it's not about, hey, here is a load, deal with it. There's load, more has to come back. Have you arrived? Have you picked up this load? What's the weight of the load? What's the bill of lading? Can I get the document back so that I can process my, my information with the shipper? All of it is tied. So that live connection, if a platform doesn't have these two, then they're just basically, you know, just noise in the space because they're adding to the troubles here. They're taking us away from that. So when, uh, when brokers are evaluating, these are the two things that they should look at. Oftentimes we live in a space because brokers aggregate the long term of carriers. Mobile technologies have a huge value or impact in this because they, they are you know, very easy for the carriers to carry around. Yeah, I, 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 I love what you said there. And I think you're right. I mean, I, sometimes, you know, we live in an era right now where we're probably generating more data and have access to more data than ever before. But sometimes a lot of that data could be just noise or distracting. And unless you're able to, you know, convert that data into insights, um, you know, it's, it's not that much value. And unless you're able to um, get rid of the data <laughs> that is not adding any value, you know, to, to simplify, you know, uh, you know, what you're looking at and what you need, I think that that's critically important as well. And, and, I, and I think, you know, when you talk about kind of looking at it from the life cycle standpoint, you know, the end-to-end, you know, perspective and being able to streamline, automate, you know, across the board, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, you know, important too, as opposed to kind of just, you know, in a very ad hoc or, or uh, you know, point manner. Um, so Jim, back, you know, back, back to you, I mean, and you kind of already shared a little bit about, um, you know, where you're going, what your destination destination is, but as you continue to move forward, I mean, what's what's next for you in this journey and, and how do partners like Trucker Tools, you know, help you get there? Yeah, I mean, it's the digital, when you go through digitalization, it's the process of transitioning from analog to digital, right? So we've already seen that in transportation in 3PL. And the process of making that digitalization information available and working for your business, right? The longer you look at the data, the more of a story it tells you. And then trying to get to that digital transformation, which is getting to the point that you were talking about, it's the journey and applying that digitalization 
transformation to your business so that you can see it transform the relationship that you have with your customers and your carriers, right? With Prasad, what we were able to do is do the digitalization on the tracking, which has helped so much, know exactly where our loads are and get that visibility to our customers. You know, in transformation, it's the alternate, um, I'm sorry, it's the alternation, um, I guess you could say it's planned alteration and into the next world. And sometimes you can't see what that is. You got to shape that, like say, this is where we're going. And when we can go there, what we're looking at next is not only from the DFM being able to match said carriers and almost like in an AI, look at that predictive analysis. Right now, we've already gone through matching who's already handled these loads in history time here at Beck Logistics. And then now we need to quantify that and say on a predictive analysis on some type of R value that we can say predictively in October, the rates are going to be here and seasonality, these carriers are usually doing this, this lane for us. And being able to predict that in the future and saying, hey, we have this capacity already taken care of. We need five more trucks per day on this lane in October when we're in April. When we can look at that and then also be able to feed an RFP into it and get that data back in minutes and then manage by exception and have that predictive analysis to say, most likely that confidence level that these rates are good are above 95%. If we can get to that level, or better yet, when we get to that level, that transformation will actually have occurred and we'll be living that dream and we'll be closer to that 90% of digitally freight matched freight. You know, as you, as you were talking, and I'm an engineer by background, I, I started my career as, an, as, as a material science engineer. So I, I love numbers. You were talking about, you know, our, our values and, and, you know, of course, all this predictive analytics is all mathematics and everything else. But, but it struck me that, um, you know, I've been doing this now for over 22 years in terms of looking at logistics service providers and technology and everything else, how far we've come as an industry. Oh because to have an executive at a logistics company talking about predictive analytics, talking about, you know, automated freight matching, um, I think would have been, um, you know, I probably would have lost that bet 22 years ago if someone made a bet with me that this is where we would be in 2021. Um, so I think it's exciting, you know, and I think it's, I think it's a testament that, you know, unless your peers in the industry are thinking the way you're thinking and the others that are kind of on this journey as well, it's going to be very difficult for them to, you know, continue to succeed, continue to grow and scale everything we've talked about today, because it truly is, um, on the one hand, this remains a people oriented business, right? People aren't going away. It's a relationship business and relationships are matter relationships with carriers, relationships with shippers, relationship with your technology partners, you know, all the stakeholders, it's still a very much people driven industry, but man, you can't discount the role that technology is playing as well. And if, if you don't invest in that area, um, it's going to be very difficult, right? Absolutely. You know, it, you bring up a really good point. As we're in acquisition mode and we're looking for two targets this year, I'm looking at and meeting with a lot of business owners that didn't follow along in that technology. 
you know, as TensorFlow or, and Python and R are out there, you know, um, I started out in computer programming. That's what I was supposed to go into in, uh, in, in the early 90s. And looking at this now and how that is so relevant to what we're doing. And if you're not on these platforms, either with a third party or developing your own, you're, you're going to be left behind. And it's, it's going to be so much harder. And that's where you're seeing that shift. And that shift is happening. I mean, you know, for us being ranked at 105th at 73 million, you know, I'm thinking to myself is next year, you know, 2021, are we going to be ranked 105th at 120 million is my question. And what about all those other people that are at 10 or 15 or 20 million? Where are they now ranked? I mean, if you go back in history, there's been what, 30, 35,000 MC numbers for freight brokerage. Only 150 companies have ever made it past that $100 million threshold, right? I mean, right now, things are going quicker and quicker and quicker. And if you're not in the internet of things and you're not following that journey, you will be left behind. Absolutely. And I, I, I would add one thing to, I think what Jim said is absolutely right. What we are seeing is, you know, the, the brokerages, 3PLs that have, adopted to technology or adopting to technology or seeing a growth. I mean, the last one year, I can say the growth has been significantly different than those who didn't adopt to technology. And that gap is widening by day. Like, I think Jim is dead on on that, that I think the more you adopt to technology, the more you have to adopt to technology. It's a, it's a nice cycle too, because you're growing. You're no more, so, you know, like Jim said, he's no longer a hundred million brokerage. Now he's 400 and still trying to expand to become a billion, right? It's all in the size at this point. And one, I, I think I'll also attribute to our overall economy is growing. Our overall economy is growing. So the opportunities are opening up and there is, being, this is one of the key points a lot of people have mentioned to me is there is a structural change coming from shipper going directly to the carrier to shipper going to the broker. The broker market, broker freight has been consistently increasing. So over a period of time, I feel like the broker space is, is, is going to play a bigger role in, in that relationship. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. That's always been a subject of debate, right? Because, uh, <laughs> you, you know, uh, you know, I think a lot of folks say, well, brokers are just middlemen, right? Or just, you know, the, but, but they play an important role, right? They're, they're more than just a, you know, a matchmaker, if you will. And, and to your point, um, you know, if, if they would have been disintermediated, it, you know, they, it would have happened already. And I think that there's a reason why that hasn't happened yet. Um, so as a way to wrap up, I mean, this has been a great conversation. So Jim, I'll start with you and then Prasad, you can add your, your thoughts. Uh, I mean, what is, the biggest lesson learned so far for you, Jim, as uh, as you've been on this journey and as you think ahead towards the future, what biggest lesson learned so far? I would say the biggest lesson learned is um, don't be afraid to invest the capital into the digital wave, because if you don't invest the capital and invest into the future, you won't you won't have a future. You truly won't. And, and, that, and that's a great point. I think, you know, to, to add to that, you know, you talk about invested capital, but it's arguably um, even, you know, the hurdle is even lower today than it was 20 years ago, right? Because you've got these software as a service model and cloud solutions. So in many ways, it's, it, 
you know, the, I mean, you go back 20 years and, and a TMS would cost, you know, a million dollars and then $2 million to implement. Right. And, you know, virtually no one can afford that, but the very biggest of the shippers and the three PLs, but today that hurdle has come down significantly. So I view it as I, there's really no excuse from a cost standpoint because there are very, there are a lot of, you know, uh, quote unquote, affordable solutions out there. It's just getting over that hurdle. Yeah. And, and Prasad, your, your thoughts, biggest lesson learned. Um, I think what Jim said is, is absolutely right. There's no reason not to. I mean, you have to invest in technology. Where I would go and I'd say is, you know, for our audience listening, 3PLs and brokers, um, don't hodgepodge technology. Have a clear mindset of where you want to go. Like, you know, Jim has a very good roadmap, right? He, he has a clear goal of where he wants to go. Have a clear goal of where your organization should be in two years, five years from now. Back, you know, back connect that, those dots and say, I need a technology to do X, Y, Z. And don't hodgepodge technologies. The reason I say that is at the end of the day, your technology is also your connectivity, unless it is your own TMS, your connectivity with either your carriers or shippers. Now, it's very important on the carrier side because their strength drives your strength as a 3PL to your, your customer who is a shipper. So provide a technology that you can keep a bigger group of carriers onboarded, keep them happy and profitable. So I think that is the more the key thing in, in my viewpoint. Great. Well, you know, uh, Jim Prasad, I, as I always say at the end of our episodes, we always just manage to scratch the surface here, but you, you both provide some great insights and advice and, and food for thought. So uh, Jim, uh, Prasad, thank you both for making the time to be with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Adrian. Appreciate it. And Prasad, great. Always to be with you, my friend. Thank you. Well, th thank, thanks for the opportunity. Um, always enjoy these calls. And Jim, um, you know, thanks for joining this. And uh, I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the Trucker Tools website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for uh, Jim or Prasad, you can post it there. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.